Yes. I'm going to say good morning to everyone, and it's so wonderful to see you all, to hear you worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords from, from redeemed hearts that love Him. If you will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus once again, Exodus chapter 32. We want to continue this journey of redemption. And uh, we'll have a pretty lengthy reading this morning. The whole chapter is 35 verses. So what I just encourage you to do is uh, to just try to go with your spiritual imagination back to that time. Pretend like that you're here. You know, these were real people. This was real life. This isn't some fable or some made-up story. Uh, this, there are eyewitnesses to this, and it's been recorded. And just think about what you would have thought and maybe what you would have done. The message today, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and tell you up front, this isn't going to be a pat on the back, send you on your way uh, message. Uh, this message today is going to be a challenging message. It's, it's going to be a message that really confronts us right where we live in, in our lives. And, you know, they always say that the preacher uh, steps on your toes. But we're really aiming for the heart is, is what we're aiming for. Of course, we have your good and the glory of God in mind. And I just want to say uh, there'll be many things that we say. And like I said, that'll be challenged today. It's not directed toward anyone personally. I'm not thinking about you or, uh, or even myself in particular, but just all of us together as the people of God, as hearers and readers of the Word of God. And I'm sure that there'll be some parts of it you'll just be like, uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me by your grace to, to be living and to be loving you the way that I should. And there'll be some times that you'll just smote your heart like the public and say, Lord, have mercy me a sinner that teach me uh, how uh, to do better and that's what redemption is all about it's about God working in our lives conforming us to the image of of his son and that's a that's a big job <laughs> to take a, a guilty dead sinner and then to make him one day to be just like Jesus Christ and so um, we'll see part of that, that process through this today. So the title of the message is, Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Let me tell you about the Lord. You're either with Him or you're against Him. There's no gray. There's no, there's no in-between uh, with the Lord. He's very jealous of His glory. He's very jealous of our our love and he brooks no rival uh, in in our life and um, part of what is happening here in the context of this as y'all know Moses after that wonderful meeting uh, that glorious meeting that they have where they sat down and they ate and drank with God you know Moses told the elders go back down if you have questions you have Aaron and her with you I've got to go up in the mount with the Lord and Moses is going to be up there 40 days, right? And during that time, God is, is directing him how to build the tabernacle, those wonderful things that we've been looking at, the mercy seat, uh, the candlestick, the table. He's giving Moses the pattern for how his people are going to worship him 
and and that a sinner can approach un, unto God. But the people, in seeing Moses delayed, they began to panic uh, in their faith and in their life. And so, just want to say off the bat that how we handle God's delays in our life, it might be for a job, it might be for a spouse, it might be medical issues that, that, that we're facing, it might uh, be things in our ministry or in our marriage or with with our children there's a lot of times where God's answer is just wait just be patient just trust me and how that we deal with ordained delays in our life really speaks to the level of our spiritual maturity because here's the choices you're either going to drift you're you're going to drift slowly away uh, from the Lord, from His people, from His commands, or even worse, you're going to lapse in, into sin and begin to do destructive things that is going to bring harm in your life and hurt to others around you, which is exactly what happened in our passage here. They, they drifted and then they lapsed. Or, beloved, you will persevere and learn to persevere through those times and say, Lord, uh, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait upon you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, even though I can't understand or see it all, I'm gonna trust in you because I want to be on your side. Don't you want to be on the Lord's side? I, I know all of you uh, do, and so I would encourage you, Lord. I pray today as we go through this, Lord, teach me how to be one of those ones that are on your side. And I like the challenge that that Moses gave. Don't you? He didn't say, Hey, who's on Joshua's side? He didn't say, hey, who's on Moses' side? Who's on Brother Nathan's side, right? No, who's on whose side? Who's on the Lord's side? Because that is what we all need, and he is who we all need the most. So let's dive in here. Who's on the Lord's side? Exodus 32. Stay with me as we read through. See it like just like you would a movie. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. Listen to all this language. Listen to the wording. It's so important. And he received them at their hand and he fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf, a golden molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. It's almost shocking, isn't it? Uh, to read these verses after the things that these people have experienced and seen. It's, it's just almost unbelievable. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play the Lord said unto Moses go get thee down 
For thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Just stop there. Uh, don't y'all remember it being the Lord that brought them out? Don't you uh, remember it being the Lord that parted the Red Sea and fed them manna and water from the rock? Isn't it interesting that the people said that it was Moses that did that? And then God is saying to Moses, you go down it because your people that you brought out, look at what they're doing, right? Oh, man. Can't mess around with God. <laughs> he said, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them and have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereto and said, These be God, thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, and, and he could say it to me and you in so many instances in our lives, couldn't he? When we have not been the way that we should, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Hmm. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. So God is saying to Moses here, let's just, let's just do away with them. They've, they've shown what they really are. Let's just, I'm just going to wipe them out. And Moses, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Well, man, who wouldn't like to hear that? Hey, you're, it's going to be, we're going to take you and uh, this thing is, is going to uh, come through me blessing you and your descendants instead of these people. Mm, aren't you glad Moses was, had the heart of an intercessor? That Moses had God's glory in mind and, and the good of his people. I know I'm so glad that so many times when I was contrary to the Lord that there were people out there praying for God to have mercy on me. That God would lead me out of my arrogance, lead me out of my foolishness and, and uh, have pity on me uh, for Christ's sake. Hallelujah. I believe God answered those prayers in, in my own life. Continue on, and Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth our wrath wax hot against thy people? Notice that language. Moses didn't say my people. He said thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt. Moses had the story right, didn't he, Drew? He said, Lord, this is you. You did this. And he said, out of the land of Egypt with a great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Oh, he goes back to the covenant, doesn't he? Oh, beloved, how, how hallelujah that we can return to the covenant, the everlasting covenant, the covenant of grace. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He's talking about Jacob, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self. He said, God, your, your honors that stay here, your words at stake, Lord, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest them, I will multiply your seed of the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give it unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Now, we just need to make a th theological point here. This doesn't mean that God changed his mind. This doesn't mean that God was going to want, do one thing and God did something else. Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. But His wrath was kindled. It really was hot. 
and what he said that he would do to them, they actually deserved. But who was stirring up the Moses, the heart of Moses to pray that God wouldn't do that and instead show mercy? It was God himself. It was God himself. God was working all things after the counsel of his own will, and he was working in Moses both the will and the to-do of his good pleasure. I just want you to, to see that because we know that God's immutable. God, God doesn't change. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he would. So repent. It just means that God turned from that, turned from his wrath. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were his hand. That's the Ten Commandments. And the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. Now, now I can just imagine Moses walking down the mount, thinking about that golden calf and just staring at the first two commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. You know, the first two. The first two. Hmm. And, the, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is noise of war in the camp. And Joshua was right in the sense that it was a spiritual war that was going on. It was a spiritual war. And said unto Moses, There is noise of war. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the table out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that scene? I remember in the ministry of Jesus when he goes into the temple, you know, and he sees what they've, the mockery that they've made out of the temple and the court of the Gentiles and we read about Jesus making that that scourge and overturning the tables and driving those people. I said, you cannot do this to my house. You've made it a, a house of merchandise and it's to be a house of, of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. It, thieves, it, it kind of reminds you of that same kind of scene, right? And look, look at how Moses, Moses was something now. <laughs> I could just see him going right up to that calf. And everybody just like, oh my goodness. You know, here he has broken the Ten Commandments because they had broken the Ten Commandments, right? And he goes up and he takes this calf which they had made. Now listen to this, beloved. And he burned it in the fire. How thorough he was here. And he ground it to powder. And he strawed it upon the water. And listen, and he made the children of Israel to drink it. Mm. And Moses said to Aaron, oh, he, he turned. No, Aaron was supposed to be his right-hand man. Aaron, was, Aaron knew better than this, right? Aaron was that one that had been with him from the beginning, that met him in the wilderness when he was going back to Egypt. And God said, I'm going to give you Aaron to be your spokesman. Man, let me tell you, we got to be careful to put too much stock in men. Men are weak, even, even the best of men. I believe Aaron was a child of God. But Aaron here, Aaron always had Moses, didn't he? He always had Moses to lean on. And beloved, maybe you're that way in your faith. 
Sister Avis was talking about always having her husband to lean, lean on for everything, and now it's not that way anymore. She so has to even lean more on the Lord. I've seen people do that, lean on other people for their faith. That's dangerous because it's the Lord that we are accountable to. It's, it's the Lord that we serve and love and follow. And if those people die or we lose people in our lives, we still have the Lord. Amen. And when we do that, we actually even put those people in danger if we put if we do that in our lives. So anyway, he said he turned he burns this calf. He makes the people drink it. Now I'm wondering what Aaron's thinking the whole time. Aaron's probably falling around. Moses around. Oh no. Oh no. And he turns to him, Robert, and he says, Man, what were you doing? What were you thinking? I wasn't even gone that long. You know, it can happen in churches, too. You, you see this like, uh, it, ha- it was at, even at Corinth, right? People were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of, of Cephas, kind of trying to divide the flock through the ministry. Uh, let's be so careful, beloved, that it's the Lord that we all follow together. Amen. Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. And Aaron said, Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. Here's the here's the the blame game, right? Beloved, isn't there always enough blame to go around? Yeah. Right? Aaron wanted to blame the people. It sounds a lot like Adam when God confronted Adam in the garden and said, Why are you naked? He said, The woman that you gave me, she gave me this fruit and I ate it. Like he didn't know better, right? And listen to Aaron, la, la, la. Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mission. For they said unto me, make us gods, which shall go before us. But as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And he said unto, him, unto them, whatsoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. <laughs> Y'all listen to this. This is it's almost comical. They, and then I cast it in the fire, and there came out this calf. <laughs> it sounds like our kids, right? Our kids, when they get caught alive, you know, it just gets worse and worse. But we just read uh, before that he took a graving tool. Aaron had taken a graving tool, and he's the one that shaped it into the calf. But now he says, I don't know how. I put the gold in the fire, and this, this gold calf jumps out. Well. All, the, all our foolishness, right? It didn't fly. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Oh, here comes our verse. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? That's a great question for our day today. There's so much golden calf worship that's going on out there in our society asking us to bow down to all these ideologies, all these movements. And it's, it's ministers, too, that are also caving uh, to these things in the mainline denominations and, and uh, preachers, me and Brother Andy have talked about this, preachers getting up in the uh, uh, pulpit and apologizing for their skin color, saying that, that, that they're sorry that they're oppressors just because of the color of their skin. Making stuff up. Whew. 
But Moses said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. This is, this is kind of gruesome here. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by. Said He told them to strap up. Strap up. And go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp. And slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. This was a, a hard charge. Remember, they, they weren't they were, were just going off just uh, killing people, just on a killing spree. No, it was the leaders of this rebellion. It was the people that had, uh, had uh, conspired and, and, and moved against Moses, God's man, and against God himself. These are the people that they went and dealt with. They dealt with them through the command of God. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses has said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing, a blessing this day. It came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, O this people, I have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt, if you don't see this and see Christ in this, oh, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. Oh, the heart of Moses for the people of God. He said, Lord, I would rather you take me, my name, out of your book than, than uh, to not forgive these people's sins. It sounds a lot like the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? He said in his writings, I wish I would rather myself be accursed for, for my brethren's sake. Oh, that we would have that kind of heart. He said, and, he, and the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken to thee before. Behold, mine angels shall go before thee. Nevertheless, there are going to be consequences for this. And there always are. In the day when I visit, I will visit their sins upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf. And then God, God sets the story straight right at the end. Do you notice this? Which Aaron made. Mm. So let's go through this uh, together and draw some things uh, for our lives. Who is on the Lord's side? Number one, those who sincerely strive to keep their commitment. These are the people that you really see that are on the Lord's side. They're not um, fair-weather soldiers, you know, the sunshine, sunshine soldiers. But we see that uh, we appreciate uh, Veterans Day. Larissa told me, Daddy, please quit calling it Memorial Day. Memorial Day <laughs> is in May. She said, it's Veterans Day, Dad. The, these veterans, they, they love not their lives to the death. They gave the last measure Oh, devotion so that we could be free. They kept the commitments that they made when they signed up. They said, I'm going to be willing to die for my countrymen, for my country, for our freedoms. Oh, I think about that scripture in Revelation about 
those that are before the throne of God that love not their lives to the death, but were faithful, faithful to the Lamb and followed Him whithersoever that He went. So is that speaking uh, about you that, and about me that I'm not saying that we're perfect and nobody in this story was perfect, but that you are sincerely striving to keep the commitments that you have made before the Lord, if, if it's regards to serving Him, if it regards to your duties as a member uh, of, of the church, if it's your commitments that you have made to your wife, to your children, whatever that it might be. I love what the Apostle Paul, this is one of Sister Avis's favorite songs and verses. It's uh, 2 Timothy 1.12. Uh, Apostle Paul says this. You can turn there if you want to. I'm going to try to quote it. I might not get it exactly right. He said, but I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have what? Committed unto him against that day. And Apostle Paul was serious about that. He, no matter what that he went through, what he was falsely accused of, shipwrecks, imprisonments. Remember how they beat him and left him for dead? He went back and preached in the city again. And, and all the way till they, they took his life, he, he, he was faithful. He was committed to the Lord. You know, but this is the truth that, that we see in this story, isn't it, y'all? That it's so much easier to get out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of us. Amen? It's so much easier to get out of Egypt than to keep Egypt out of us. And that's the problem here. There were people from the very beginning, what their brother Andy and this group, that were looking for their opportunity to raise up against Moses and to get the people to go back to the simple ways that they were in Egypt. They were always crying out, you know, well, why'd you bring us out here to die? We, would, we could go back to Egypt and we had plenty to eat there. You know, and then time and time again, these murmurers, these complainers, these backbiters, these rebels against, not against Moses ultimately, but against God. Sad to see Aaron, Aaron joined up right, right with him in a moment of, of weakness. But in the space of 40 days, look at what they went from. We're talking about 40 days, y'all. 40 days. That's, to me, that's not a long time. From 40 days, they went from chapter 24, verse 7. Let's just flip back to remind ourselves, and we're, not, we're trying, not trying to be harsh on them because we all know how we have failed the Lord. Have we have failed in our commitments sometimes? I'm putting myself as guilty as anyone. You know, we ought to serve the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's why I like this verse, 24-7, right? 24-7, and he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people, this same group, and they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. There they were. Now, 40 days later, 32-7, these people have made themselves gods. They have corrupted themselves. So, question, the, 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 uh, where the rubber meets the road, the application of this to our lives when, it, when in regards to your commitment to the Lord, if you're on the Lord's side, is your commitment to the Lord growing? Is it intensifying? Or is it waning? 
Because what the issue about that is, is your first love. I, I love here how that God, as we have said, it wasn't, you know, thy people, my people. It wasn't argue on my side, on Moses' side, but who's on the Lord's side. Remember, beloved, your, your first love. And if you can't say today, oh, Brother Nathan, my commitment, it is growing. I, I come to church, and I'm at church. I try to present my body a living sacrifice. I try to give. I try to be at the nursing home. I try to give cans to the Good Samaritan Center. I, I try to be here at work days. Uh, if we have prayer meetings, I'm, I'm praying. And, and then on a daily basis, I, I try to pray for the people of God. I try to pray for my ministers. I, I try to be ready for Bible study and, and memorize uh, the scriptures that, that you encourage us to memorize. And, and I'm trying to study and grow. Is that you? Is that me? Am I trying to still grow as a minister, as a servant to the Lord, as a follower of Jesus Christ? And, and is it intensifying as I go? Or do I find myself doing less and less and less? Oh, beloved, let us pray. Lord, stir me up to want to be on your side, to be by your side, right? To keep the commitments that I have made before you that's a great challenge to all of us so those who sincerely strive to keep their commitment they're the people that are on the lord's side and it's going to prove out here as well and then secondly those who will not compromise the covenant those who will not compromise the covenant what did these people want did they did they really just want uh, a god that they could see and feel they did. This is why God insists upon being an invisible God. A God that can't be uh, replicated or formed or fashioned by men's hand. An invisible God that is the ultimate God of the universe that must be embraced and worshipped and believed on by faith and not by sight. But just like in that day today, people want a God that they can fashion for themselves. That they can manipulate. Just like the golden calf. They wanted a God that they could see and manipulate. Hmm. I love in the story of Daniel. The three Hebrew men. Now these were people that were on the Lord's side. Wasn't they? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I keep saying... I'm going to memorize their Hebrew names. I hate to call them by their Babylonian names, but, you know, ever since you're, you're little, that's all they tell you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But y'all know the story. I'm not going to go there, but I just jot this verse down, Daniel 3.18, because y'all know exactly how it goes because we preach about it. We talk about it a lot. But these were men that were on the Lord's side, and there, there was actually here in the Babylonian captivity, this king had made this another golden image. It's probably of himself. And he said, when the music plays, everybody is going to bow down no matter where you come from, from the world, no matter what you believe, you're going to bow down and you're going to say that this is your God. Music played. Everybody bowed down, almost. Except in the crowd. Three eunuchs. Three of the captives of the children of Israel. 
Those that were going to, in sincerity, keep their commitment to God, no matter what it cost them, they would not bow down. And he brought before them, and he said, Do you think that your God can save you from this fiery furnace? And don't y'all love their answer? And they said, No, we don't. It doesn't matter to us what you do to us. Yes, God can save us. But whether he saves us or not, or we have to suffer or not, Know this, Cain, we're never going to bow down to that image. Right? Yeah, and that's the way that, our, that we need to pray that our hearts would be. And not like Aaron. Oh, isn't it, isn't it sad to see Aaron here? And now we all been just like him. When the fire got hot. When it, our popularity was on the line. Our position was on the line. And we were out of favor with the masses. As we are today, beloved. As we are today, even in this Christian nation. What did Aaron do? Aaron caved, didn't he? Aaron caved to the LGBTQ community. Aaron caved to the woke ideology of of the day. And said, we're going to compromise the covenant. We're going to compromise... And not keep our commitment. Aaron caved. Aaron cowered. Aaron capitulated to do that which he knew in his heart was wrong. That's not being on the Lord's side, is it? Aaron, whose side was Aaron on? Aaron was on Aaron's side. Aaron was on Aaron's side. Isn't it interesting the language here that they... Uh, made like this was a religion, right? They had an altar. They did sacrifice, but notice in the sacrifices there was no sin sacrifice. Did y'all notice that? No sin sacrifice. Oh, no. We can't talk about sin anymore in our day. No, but it said at the end that they rose up to what? To play. To play. And I'm sad to say that that's what so many people are doing Before the Lord in our day, they're just playing house for God. Entertaining people. Having social gatherings and clubs. And it doesn't really matter what God has asked that His church look like or do. It's what we want. We are in a McDonald's or Burger King religion. Have it your way. They rose up. They played religion. They were indeed set on mischief. But beloved, if we want to be people that are on the Lord's side, we got to learn to hold fast. We have to be willing to stand firm. We have to be willing to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen? That's what we must do if we are on the Lord's side. That's why I love what Paul challenged the Romans in Romans 12. One and two, right? Let's just turn there and remind ourselves of this and, and pray, Lord, as we pray, Lord, help me, help me to strive sincerely to keep the commitments that I've made to you. Help me not cave. Help me not capitulate. Help me not cower in front of, of the world, but to be like this instead, to hold fast, to stand firm, to contend for what you have shown me and revealed to me. What is right? He says, Romans 12, y'all know this so good. I beseech you. 
Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And here it is. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Like the sons of Levi, those who understand and have been given the light of what truth is and what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. Beloved, in these last days, as the love of many waxed cold, like the sons of Levi said, they gathered themselves together. They strapped on their swords and they went and did what God called them to do. Now, I'm not telling y'all to go hack anybody to death. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Spiritual warfare here. Prayer. Living out the gospel in front of a lost and dying world. Reaching out and, and touching people that are hurting and, and lost and in terrible conditions. And keeping yourselves unspotted from the world. That's what we're talking about. Our, our sword is the word of God. Speaking it into our culture. Speaking it into our lives, to our friends, to our children, to our family, to ourselves. Gather together, strap on their swords and, and to fight for what is right. I challenge you today. I told you this message is going to be a challenge. Because this isn't easy, what we're talking about. But you know, those who are on the Lord's side, sometimes they are called and asked to do difficult things. But isn't it wonderful that God doesn't ask us to do anything, but what He doesn't give us the ability and empower us to do. Right. So thirdly, we got to move quickly now. Regina said, if you can't say it in 45 minutes, you just, you're not a good preacher. <laughs> gotta, we got to move. Those who cry out against corruption, they're the ones that are on the Lord's side. Evil prevails when good men do nothing. Right. When we see evil in the world and we see people calling what is wrong right and what is right wrong and we just cover up our mouths and say nothing we're as guilty as they we're as guilty as they if we have pleasure in those that do wickedness we're guilty of the wickedness oh beloved who will cry out against the corruption in our day who was willing to cry out against the corruption that was here the corrupt is there corruption in our society beloved you know in this last election that the people of Ohio, I'm not putting the people of Ohio down. People of Mississippi got just as much sins as the people of Ohio. But they voted to add the right to kill a child in the womb to their constitution. And they were delighting in that. Corruption in our society. What about corruption in the church? Most of all, what about corruption that's in me? Will you cry out against it? They, they corrupted themselves. That's what it said in verse 7. They have corrupted themselves. God didn't do this to them. Society didn't do this to them. They did it to themselves because they didn't keep their commitment sincerely because they were willing to compromise the, the covenant because they weren't willing to cry against the corruption that they were seeing even in their own leadership who they corrupted. Who they corrupted and who corrupted himself. They corrupted themselves by losing sight of what really mattered and what was truly important. Is that happening to you? Is that happening to me? Oh, let us pray. Lord, show me. Show me what really matters in this life. 
Show me what's truly important in my life. I, I just got to be honest with y'all here. You know, we, we really need to step up as an assembly, especially in our attendance of the house of God. This, this is how that it really should be, beloved. And I say this in, in love, knowing that there are a lot of things. I'm not talking about people that are sick. And, and we could all make excuses all over the places for this or that. But really, this to me, how it should be in the vision that we should have. There's two times every week that, that our church meets together to worship the Lord, to hear the gospel. There's two times a week. Our, our lives and how we govern them and our priorities should be governed around that. That, that those times and, and those events to us are what I set down as the most important and everything else revolves around that, that that comes first. I, I believe that that's the truth. I know that's a, that's a high standard. I know that that's a, a high calling. But it's what's best for you. And it's what is best for all of us together. Now, now I'll, I'll just say as an assembly, I know that, that y'all are doing a lot better than most of the churches that I know of. And I'm thankful for that. But may we uh, pray that we won't have to drink these bitter waters, that we won't have to know the plague of God's displeasure, that it would never be that, it would be that God would say, I'll just blot them out. Did you hear these things that, that these people that would not cry out corruption endured in their lives? And maybe you and I, we've known some of this, having to drink these bitter waters. These gods that we made for ourselves, these things that we thought were so important, and all of a sudden we just find that they're just ground to powder, and we're having to drink the bitter results of bad decisions, of wrong priorities, of not putting God first. Or the, the plague. Uh, it could be, be different things, a leanness of soul, us uh, uh, seeing uh, you know, a lack of of uh, usefulness in the kingdom of God uh, because we watering down our witness. That, uh, now, I don't believe a child of God can be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. I, 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 believe, I don't believe that's what that's talking about here. But the essence is if, if, you, if you're a person that is willing to go along with what is happening here and what's along in our world... It's just proof that your name was never there. It's it was never there. So, I know that, like I said, that's a that's kind of a, some of these things are, are tough to hear, but it's a challenge to us. And uh, I just I would just encourage us all, Lord, help me, help me to be a one that's on your side, and help me not hypocritically, but but to cry against corruption for the glory of God, and for the good of our day. And then lastly and fourthly, as we close, those are on the Lord's side who consecrate themselves to Christ and to His cause. 
those who consecrate themselves to Christ and His cause. And before I go there, I go there to that last one. I forgot to give you um, a verse for the third point. If you'll just write it down, I wrote down Jonah chapter one verse two. Remember that God uh, called Jonah as His prophet uh, to go, and He said very specifically. Uh, this, I just want to read it to you just to, to challenge all of us. The word of the Lord, this is Jonah chapter 1, 1 and 2. And now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. That's exactly what John the Baptist did in his ministry, did he? That's exactly what Jesus did. They called people to repent. He even John even spoke to power about the adultery that was in uh, the the royal uh, at the highest position around them, and uh, it cost him his life, it cost him his his head. But God said that there was no greater man born among women outside of Jesus Christ than John the Baptist. Are you consecrating yourself to Christ and? To his cause. I love what we see in Moses here. And Moses is a great picture of Jesus Christ in here as an intercessor, as one who, who deals with, with sin, holy. Moses cared more for the glory of God and the people of God than for his own popularity or personal pride. Do y'all see that in this passage? Am I, am I drawing out truth? God said... I'm going to destroy these people. I'll just make a great nation out of you. Man, most men will be like, hey, go ahead. Hey, God, if that's what you want to do. I mean, you're God. It's you, you know. Or stand in the gate of the camp. He, he, the people have disappointed. They made him mad. I'm going to vent my spleen. I, they've done me wrong. Now's my chance to take revenge. Whoever's on Moses' side, come and gather yourself to me. No. No, we find Moses pleading for the people of God. Lord, even blot my name out of the book that that you could have forgiveness and, and mercy on them. Who's on the, who's on the Lord's side, Lord? They're, these are your people. Lord, Moses' heart was broken even more than the tables of stone that he slammed on the ground. Those on the Lord's side, beloved, they're often called upon to do difficult things. We have to challenge ourselves, am I that person? Am I that person that God can use, like the sons of Levi that gathered themselves to God's man, to, to Moses and, and to the Lord? I love what, what David said, remember when he came to the camp of the Philistines in 1 Samuel 17, 29. And he saw Goliath coming out and defying the armies of the living God. And he saw all these guys that were no doubt his heroes, that they weren't answering the call, that they were just kind of all shaking in their boots and shaking in their armor. And David says, I'll go answer this Philistine. I will go and do battle for the Lord. Who does this guy think he is that he can say this about God and about God's people? And everybody said, you be quiet, you naughty little boy. We know that you just come out here to see the battle. David turned to them and he said in, in a thing that ought to 
uh, echo down to our day and to our time because there's giants in the land doing the same thing. And David said, is there not a cause? Yes, there is. It is the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ and His church and His truth. Rally to it, beloved. Gather yourselves together. Sincerely keep your commitments before the Lord. Don't compromise the covenant blessings and relationships that you have with God and with His people. Cry out against the corruption that's in the society. Cry out the corruption that's within you. And seek healing from God for it. Consecrate yourselves to Christ because here it has the promise of blessing and of blessing bestowed. Moses said, verse 29, as we begin to close, we're going to go to one more scripture. This is the, the end. Moses said, Moses has said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. That means God comes first. God comes before me. God comes before what I want. Even every man upon his son, upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a what? A blessing this day. You know what the greatest blessing of being on the Lord's side is? Is knowing and understanding that the Lord's on your side. Isn't it? If God be for us, beloved, what? Who can be against us? Amen. So we close with Psalm 124. Just let this uh, cheer you up at the end. I know, like I said, I know this is a, it was sobering studying for this. This is a sober passage. And it should be delivered soberly and with, and with challenge and with conviction but psalm 124 uh, can we all say this together as we close and may it be so psalm 124 verse 1 if it had not been the lord who was on our side now may israel say if it had not been the lord who was on our side when men rose up against us if it wasn't true that the Lord was on our side, they would have swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. But blessed be the Lord, who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven. And earth. Oh, I encourage you, beloved, strive to be on the Lord's side and know that He is on your side. May the Lord bless you and keep you as I pray.